guys, those who are students and kids, I want you to come up here and stand up here and look at everybody. Come and stand and space yourself up. Pastor Michael, would you coach them and lead them, but face everybody, all the students. Come on. Yeah, man, we got some fierce, we got some fierce students in here, kids in here. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Now, what I'd like for you to do, Pastor Micah, could you lead them in a roar, maybe countdown and get them to roar? And I want you guys to roar like a lion and get as loud as you possibly can, okay, when you roar. So you sort of heard the lion, so you just kind of imagine yourself and roar. Here we go. I've got an interruption. Let's add a little bit more to this. When they roar, you roar back. Dig it? Okay. When they roar, then you repeat back and roar. Come on now, grown-ups. I know some of you got some, you know, you got some, you know, voices, and then you can use it. And so this is why I want you to do So we're just going to do that. We're going to let them roar, and then you roar. Let's do it three times, okay? okay. King of the Beast over there. Yeah. Go on. Alright, give them a great round of applause and I applaud the grown-ups and the adults for sharing. Thank you guys. That's good. Got your roar out for a little bit. That's good. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's pretty obvious through this video that lions roar. I mean, I was waiting to see, maybe I could have shown the MGM a lion as it roars before a movie comes on, and that's pretty spectacular, that kind of roar. Or I could have showed you a segment of Narnia where that Aslan roars to the, what was it, the Ice Queen or whatever, Ice Queen? I, the bad guy, I'll just say that the white witch but Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia how Aslan the lion roars with authority but we know that lions roar we know cats go meow but lions roar and I want you to get that in your head in your mind that lions roar let's pray father in the name of Jesus Christ Help us, Lord, to see your word. Help me, Father, to speak with clarity and with understanding and most of all with anointing. 
God, that you just speak to us tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask it, Lord. Amen. And amen. How many are in agreement with me tonight? The word of God. With the word of God. You know, lions will roar for several reasons. And I'd just like to touch on three reasons in particular that lions roar. Lions roar to say to its enemies, this is my territory, get out. Another reason why lions roar is that they roar to strike fear and confusion in its prey. And the third of, of the many reasons, but one other reason that a lion roars is to be a homing beacon for other lions in its pride to return home. We all have lions inside of us, but we don't know where the release button is to let it out. Tonight I hope to give you an answer for how to do that tonight. When you hear the roar, you will roar because lions roar. There's a part of us that can be stirred to the heroic when we get around someone who is doing the heroic. When you get around someone who is full of the spirit, it will stir something in you. I have talked to the worst of sinners and there are times that I've talked to them and afterwards they would tell me, you know what? I'm not taking a step yet into faith, but when you talk, there is something in your talk that seems to stir me on the inside. And it's the Holy Spirit doing that work. When you get around someone who is full of the Holy Spirit, it will stir something in you. When you see or hear someone alive in God, there's a part of you that will want to echo back to them the lion's roar that they are living out in their life. You'll see that demonstrated in, the, in this message tonight through the life of Jonathan, the son of Saul, the first king of Israel. We can see in this account of scripture that I'm going to share with you in this account in 1 Samuel chapter 14, we can see five groups of people stirred by this heroic action in the account laid out for us in this chapter involving Jonathan, Saul's son. And so I want you to turn your neighbor or yell at your neighbor that may be further in the sanctuary. But I want to turn, I want you to yell at your neighbor and say, when you hear the roar, you will roar. Because lions roar. Let's go to 1 Samuel. I told you at first to, well, I'll just read it all. We'll just go with verse 1 down to verse 14 in 1 Samuel. 14 right now 1st Samuel chapter 14 now it happened one day that Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young man who bore his armor come let us go over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side the other side but he did not tell his father and Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree which is in Migron now it's important to know that Saul is located under the shade. 
It's important to know that they were in a position that they should not have found themselves in, that they were outnumbered by the Philistines by thousands, and, and they didn't even have the proper weaponry ready to fight against the Philistines. And so the Bible says in the previous chapter that they found themselves surrounded by the Philistines, and they were on the high uh, part, high part, high, high ground around them, and they went and found and hid themselves. They hid themselves the the army of the Lord Saul's army 600 mighty men went and found themselves uh, in caves and in dens and in holes hiding out from the enemy let me tell you Saul had already started to lose his country and his nation he had already begun to drift away from God in pride and so he drifted from God and we eventually know what happens to Saul as he drifted drifted too far and he lost the kingdom but God's got a plan and God will raise up somebody God will always have somebody that will hear his voice and respond and do something about a condition that must change if God has to change the guard he will change the guard if he's got to change the leader he will change the leader but usually you find those who drift away from God and out of tune with God, they find themselves being surrounded by the enemy, hiding in caves and holes, or even the leader sitting underneath the shade tree and not even knowing what is going on around him. That's why people become disconnected from God. They find themselves when they're under a shade tree, they shouldn't be there. God wants them to advance. Let me tell you, God always wants his people to advance. He wants you to advance in this kingdom. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to be bold and strong as that lion. And he wants you to give out a roar so that the world will know who you serve and, and who is about to give you the very victory that he's promised you. Now, and so, he didn't even tell his father, best he didn't. Why tell him? He doesn't have any spiritual insight anyway. And so he's sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. And Ahijah and the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, and the son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. There they even had the priests and still out of line. Had the priest of God and they were still in the wrong position, wrong place, at the wrong time. You know, that's what's happening today, don't you? If God's people don't get in tune with the Lord, if pastors do not get a hold of God and believe in God's word rather than the news that they're hearing around them, then what's going to happen is that you're going to have priests that are going to be out of line. You're going to have pastors that are not really shepherding the flock. You're going to have a disoriented army and God's people who thinks that they need to hang out in dens and in caves and in holes and they never reach the place of victory that God wants them to have in their life we'll be playing games we'll be having the show we'll have a good old time rather than discovering the authority and power that we have in God remembering the promise that's been given to God's people now 
But the people did not know that Jonathan was gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. Maybe that's what people are doing today. We're complaining too much about the rocks. I got a sharp rock over here and a sharp rock over there. Well, what do you think it's telling you to do? It's telling you to move forward. Don't move to the right. Don't move to the left, but go forward. So here he is around the sharp rocks. He's being hidden by the sharp rocks. And the name of one was called Bozes, one of the rocks. And the name of the other, Shanae. <laughs> the front of... Of one faced northward opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite of Gibeah. So here the writer is trying to give a picture of where the location is. Then Jonathan said to his young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. God is not in the numbers game. God is looking for those who are willing to be an instrument of his glory. He's not worried about what the vote count is going to be. He's not worried about it at all because he's got a people that he will raise up and literally destroy the armies of the enemy. And here Johnson says, he says, come, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will, be, will work for us. You know, this is the thing. You find yourself between a rock and a hard, place, <laughs> a hard spot and in a difficult place. You, need, you and I need to have the attitude thinking, okay, God's up to something. God's going to do something in this situation. My difficulty is not, is not my final destination. My difficulty is just telling me that my God is able to do all things. That greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. The obstacles are not supposed to give a message to us of giving up, but it means that it's time that we start climbing and start moving forward. Now, here we find here that for nothing restrains the Lord, saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go. Now, I always wondered when I read this verse of Scripture, why in the world was, what a crazy plan here, okay? The crazy plan is, you know, here it is. He said, he told his armor bearer, he said, if they say to us, stay there and we'll come to you, then he said, we won't show ourselves. Uh, he, he said, if they say, come, uh, stay there and we'll come to you, then we won't show ourselves. But then he says, though, the opposite. But if they tell us, invite us to come over, then we're going to come over. Do you know why? I just thought about why in the world would anybody consider that being a spiritual sign from the Lord to go up and charge against the enemy and against them when you've got, you know, you're better off to set up a strong defense. I'll tell you why. God is in the offense. I've, I've always heard it said a good, 
a good offense is a strong defense. I believe in God's kingdom. God always does things opposite from the world. That I believe a good offense is a good defense. If God is in it, then, then there's no way we're going to fail and that God's going to give us victory. You ever feel that way sometimes in your life? That you're just going to march on. You're just going to move on. And you're going to believe God and you're going to take the offense rather than sit back and think you've got to defend yourself. The Bible says, he says, Jesus declared to the church. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is not to picture the gates of hell marching against God's people. But God's people are storming the gates of hell. That we're taking authority over the gates and the strongholds of the enemy. You need to take hold of those things that seem to be strongholds that the enemy has in your life and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, God has given me the victory. We need to give a good roar and move forward and know that God is working. Now, I got to get through the text here. Hold on. Here we go. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand that they tell us to come up to them. And this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. The world is mocking you. But they don't know that they're messing with a lion. They don't know what's going to really happen here. They don't understand that with God all things are possible. They don't understand and have the spiritual insight uh, that God, the greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. They don't understand the power that we have in God. They don't understand the resources of heaven that God has given us. So therefore, they don't understand that God, the moment that we show ourselves, God is going to give us the victory. So the men in the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come, come up to us and we, we will show you something. Come on up here, we're going to teach you a lesson. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his knees with his armor bearer after him. And they, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. The first slaughter which Jonathan, his armor bearer, made was about 20 men within a half an acre of land. It was a slaughter of 20 men. Now I said there were three reasons why a lion roars. And one reason, I'm here, this is my territory, get out. And you and I need to be as the lions that will roar in our territory. When we, something, we see something invading that doesn't belong in our territory, if we see some unsavory character, demonic forces and influences of the world that wants to invade our territory, God has given us a roar. And it's a roar that will cause the enemy to shake and to quake and to understand that they have taken one step too far and that God has given us this territory. God God has given us our home and our family. God has given us an anointing and power. God has given us the kingdom. We just need to walk and pace out the land that God has given us and say, devil, you can't come in because I roar and you tremble. 
This is my territory, and you have no place to come in here. He'll roar to give that message. I'm here. This is my territory. Get out. Get out. And then also to stir fear and confusion in the enemy. The Bible says if you rebuke the devil, he will flee from you. But it says first, submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. In the submission comes the authority. In the submission declares Jesus is Lord of our life. Not just Savior, but Lord of our life. And when we walk in obedience, we walk in authority. And when we're in authority, we have the ability within us that the lion's going to rise up and it's going to roar. And it's not going to be our voice when we roar. It's going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah that rises up through us as we begin to roar. I thought it was interesting in this that how a lion can roar. Did you know a lion's roar can be heard for five miles? That's how much power that's in the roar of a lion. And if you're within 100 feet of that lion, it is said it's not that you hear the roar, you actually feel the roar. You feel the roar. And so here is that God is giving us authority. When Jonathan began to decide and he went up against the enemy as he did, there was something that happened. Look what the Bible says in verse 15 of the same chapter. And there was a trembling in the camp. There was a vibration shaking going on in the camp in the field and among all the people. Even the garrison and the raiders trembled and the earth quaked so that it became a great trembling. A great trembling took place. The Bible says in verse 20 that then Saul and all the people who were with him when they heard the rambling, they didn't know what was going on. The king had to be told who was out there fighting the battle and the noise being the noise to brawl and the noise being the trembling being recognized that they heard it from a distance and said, where is that coming from? What's happening? Who's out there? Then they tell him, Saul, it's your son, Jonathan. Then the Bible says that when they felt the fear and the trembling, it wasn't the people of God that felt the fear and trembling. It was the enemy that felt the violent fear and trembling so much that they started killing each other out of confusion because of fear and what was going on. Let me tell you, the devil is destined to fail. The devil has already lost. And if anybody should be shaking in their boots, it should not be the child of God, but it should be the lion that is roaring, that is causing the enemy to shake in his boots. Because there's a, there's a feeling with that roar. There's a force. There's a power. There's a trembling took place. And Saul and the, all the people who were with him rallied and came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a great confusion that the Philistines were killing each other. Our text makes it clear in this verses that it's not simply Jonathan's actions that are, that are saying this and roaring and saying that this is my territory, get out. But it was actually the line of Judah 
saying that through him. Let me tell you, I don't think I'm all that. I don't think, and I have never thought, that I was exceptional. I was charismatic or clever or all wise and knowing. But if I will just speak in the name of the Lord, then the devil had to flee and the devil had to listen to Michael the archangel when he said, the Lord rebuke you that you and I can stand before the enemy and know the authority and power that we have in Jesus Christ and that we are lions and lions roar. They roar. The earth quaked so that it become a great trembling. Several commentaries point out that this was not simply an earthquake but what they call the trembling of God. A supernatural fear came upon, came from God and tore through their camp. And it was so powerful and so disoriented that the enemy started fighting against their own men. Amos 3 and 6 says, The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The lion hath roared, and who shall not fear? A lion's roar can be heard up, like I said, up to five miles. The closer that we're with it, the vibrations of the roar. Because the lion, when the lion roars, it doesn't roar like you. You and I, you just try and scream and see if you can be heard a hundred yards away across a football field. Or see if you can yell loud enough to be heard within a mile. But to be heard in five miles, that's, that's incredible. A lion doesn't roar like you and I in our vocal cords and we roar from our lungs. A, a lion actually has um, the bone, a cage that is surrounded, a vocal cord that goes all the way down to his belly. And when he begins to roar, it comes from the belly up. Do you get what I'm talking about here? When you got something here, it's going to come out here. When you roar and the Holy Spirit working within you as a lion, you're going to roar, and guess what? Others are going to hear that roar. May God cause all your spiritual enemies to hear his roar through you and be called up with confusion and fight each other instead of you. Now, there are five groups. The first that heard the roar and it brought fear in them. Then the Jews heard the roar. The first of all, the enemy heard the roar and it stoked fear in them. Then the Jews heard the roar and it stoked faith in them. It triggered a release button within them for the lion inside of them to come out. It's interesting to know that, that in the New Testament, there's relates to what we're teaching, that the lion's roar will either stir the lion in you or cause an opposite reaction. Paul writes about that in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. 
For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we are noticed by those who are saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are aroma of death and leading to death. And to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? In other words, there's a recognition that when you roar, the world will know that you're roaring. And then others of your faith will hear you roaring. And it will cause an effect that the lion in others, the children of faith, it will rise up in them and they will run and be heroic and anointed by the power of God. I'm telling you, God has an army. I'm telling you that God has something what he calls his pride. And that it's the, the group of lions that he has brought together. And that a lion's roar will bring about many different things that has different purposes in a lion's roar. The actions of Jonathan and God through him told the enemy to get lost and it stirred up confusion in them. They turned their swords against each other. Now we look at how Jonathan's actions were a trigger to release the lion in them and, the, and a homing beacon to bring the lost lions back home. When you hear the roar, there are five groups that are awakened by the roar. The first two groups stirred were the leadership and the army of Israel. They were stirred when they heard the noise. They were stirred into action when they realized that there was a violent trembling and they knew that this was supernatural and they knew that there was a noise abroad and they recognized and realized it. It kicked Saul into action and it also kicked the army of the Lord into action. You know what? I know a lot of preachers today are saying that the church is sleeping, that the church is not doing anything and we're living in a world now that seems to be darkened and that there doesn't seem to be a hope. I've heard Christians say, where is the church? What is the church doing? I'll tell you what's going to happen. All it's going to take is a little noise and a roar that's going to awaken the lion within all of the church members and all the body of Christ. And they will rise up as a great and mighty army of the Lord. Not to defeat the enemy because God takes care of the enemy. But to rise up and be recognized and declare where their authority comes from. From heaven. The first two groups, the leadership and the army of Israel, they were stirred. Sometimes leaders need stirring. Sometimes they get in a rut of playing it safe. Sometimes those who are soldiers should be fighting and the enemy are sitting, fighting the enemy, but they're sitting on the sidelines. But Jonathan's action stirred the line in them. And they rallied to, and came to battle. Maybe I should talk a little bit about the difference between old lions and young lions. Saul and the army were stirred from their inaction by a roaring of a daring young lion. I wish the room was filled with today's generation. So I could tell them and let them know, the students know, you start roaring and we will respond. 
You start believing in God because we need some young lions who are going to rise up and roar so the old lions will join in and follow. It will stir. It will cause the pride to come together. It will call the lions together in unity and God will do great things on behalf of his kingdom and on the behalf of his people if the lions will roar. The third group included that responded to the roar that also brings up the the reason of a lion's roar is that the third group found here out of the five included the backslid deserters and traitors the bible says that when they were surrounded that some of the soldiers Saul had that he had picked out had deserted him and some had even went to the camp of the Philistines and he was mad about that. Well, see, that's it. See, he was trying to lead God's army in a carnal way. You know, he was trying to, to equip and when he himself was not equipped, when he himself was out of line, he was trying to line up an army in the name of the Lord and it doesn't work that way. And so here, there were people who had deserted and people who had went into the camp of the Philistines. But when they heard the, the rumbling and the trembling that took place, when they looked and they saw that there was a young lion rose up by the name of Jonathan that started fighting and victory was going their way, that I believe that these deserters heard the roar and they began to fight on the right side. Amen. I think we need to roar and call back all those who have been deserters, those who have backslidden, those who have been away from God. Let there be lions that will roar, that will bring back the backslider into the pride and into the family of God you know what God can do that it just takes some lions who are willing to roar that will call back those other lions back into the pride and into the family and back and they will start fighting in the for the right cause and living for God that's what happened a lion roars the third group that was affected by Jonathan is the backsliders and deserters and traitors, yeah? Yeah, I want you to know the devil even lies to himself. He thinks once somebody sins and they backslide and they go away from God and quit going to church that they are forever lost and this is over, this battle is over, they're lost and they'll stay lost. But he underestimates the power of the roar. He underestimates the power of the church to call back the backslider. He underestimates the power of the word of God and the power of the spirit that will bring the backslider back. We need to raise our hands and say, Lord, we call back the backsliders. Amen. Let me tell you, there is an epidemic in the church world right now. An epidemic that was not, that could be blamed on the pandemic, but what it really is is an epidemic of sin and coldness and sleepiness. I was just doing the math. There are people in this church have not been back here, and it's been seven months, 28 weeks. 
they have been gone and have not come back to the house of God. You can't tell me that they're just going to suddenly come back on their own. No, they need to hear the roar of the lion. They need to know that there is a power and a force that God will reinstate them. God will reunite with them. God will empower them and they will be victors over the enemy. You want to know what's on the mind of pastors? Are these people going to come back? And I will tell you statistically, some of them will not. Because they were almost out the door to begin with. Coming ever so often, coming once a month, once every three weeks. They were on the fringes. They can blame it on the pandemic. But now after 28 weeks, there's something more deeper than that. Because they're alive and we're alive. We function, they function. They've been deceived. And we need to roar like a lion and call them back into God's fellowship. I'm not saying they're lost, that they're not here. But I'm telling you, you know what it happens when we stay out of church. It just becomes convenient to keep missing week upon week upon week upon week till finally it's just not a part of your life anymore and pastors are worried and scared to say those things because yeah pastor we've never faced it yeah we have we face the enemy every day of our life every day we face the enemy it's not changed he's just coming at another angle he's never you know he's just coming in another angle and fear trying to work in different ways and methods. So let the lions roar. Let us blast the fear right out. Let's declare the victory, the power, the anointing of God. And roar like lions roar. The call back. Those to assure the others, come on back. Come on back to God's presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The fourth group we find in this this category in this account was the fearful. In 1 Samuel 14, 22 says, When all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard the Philistines had fled, even they also pursued them closely into battle. From the outskirts they came. Those who were hiding all around, they joined together. Joined together when they heard. When they heard the trembling. When they knew that there was a noise sound abroad. They, even the fearful, to the fearful, the roar brought courage to them. They knew that God is doing something. The Lord is working in their behalf. They heard in a far off country the roar of God and they came streaming into battle. Streaming into battle. A lion's roar calls other lions to be with him. And that's the power. And then the fifth group that was touching this account of scripture, when they heard the noise, the fifth group of people stirred by the actions of Jonathan that you won't really find mentioned directly in scripture. But I think after hearing what I've had to say to you and see them as clearly as I do, do you know who the fifth group is? The fifth group are the other young lions in Israel 
and the one very special one in particular, the giant slayer. Because David had to hear about this account, how God used Jonathan, and God used him, and God gave victory through Jonathan. And that the Lord used him, that David, no doubt, was impressed by the courage, by the boldness, by the faith of Jonathan. That it must have had left an effect on David to believe and have faith in God. Our children need to see and they need to hear the lion roar. They need to know because there are reports all the time, every day, cases are rising. What kind of case? You know, cases are rising. It's all they hear. The news, the pandemic, everything going on. They need to know and they know that their pattern of life has been changed. So they need to hear the roar of faith of God's people, their parents, and people around them saying, God is greater than anything. And you have nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to fear. Our God will take care of us, and my God will take care of you. But you're not left alone. This is why the lions roar. They roar it's not just for them. But it's for the purposes of the pride, the group, the other lions. And also the purpose of keeping their territory. We should be territorial Christians. You know what I'm saying? We should be like Kendon was talking about a door and, and the water and the dry places where spirits come and enter. We need to be territorial and not let the enemy creep in to our territory and know the territory is being invaded. And said, no, 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 it's not going to be that way. The only one that's going to invade my territory is the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit's going to invade my territory. Not, not any of this spooky, scary stuff. No, it's my God. My God invades my territory. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. I don't know what you, did you say November 1st is Sunday? Okay. Can I throw something out to you? Yeah, time change too. Oh, yeah. I'm ready for a time change, aren't you? Yeah. Rawr. Yeah, well, at least we don't lose. We gain for a little bit, but it still throws us out of whack. You know, I don't know what it is. I gain the hour, and I seem like I'm more tired when I get up the next day. Than what? I don't understand, you know, why. But I want you to know that, you know, on my television, I'll, I'll kind of, you ever kind of, what do you call, kind of roam through the channels and look and everything, surfing on the television, looking for maybe some kind of good feel movie. I mean, where you feel kind of good, you don't feel, you know, you know nasty, ugh, you know, kind of stuff. And then, then it's right around October 31st, and you know what that thing is. And, the, the, and it's all the good little supposedly scary movies and all this stuff. You know what? Let me tell you the, the difference with God's kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness shows that if someone lives forever, they're moldy. They're decaying. They're ugly. They're hideous. They're alive. And they walk around. I can ask my grandson what. I don't know where he learned where a zombie is. I think through a cartoon or something. But, but they'll walk around. They can barely walk. And parts of their body missing all of a sudden. I'm alive forever. 
I mean, get a good-looking guy like Dracula. He's, he's going to live forever, but yet, what's the price he's paying? This is, this is the picture the world gives and darkness gives of eternal life. But the picture this gives, that we'll have a new body. No more sickness, no more death. That we've been given victory through Jesus Christ. And we've been glorified by the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no dying, no sickness, nor death, nor pain. That's my eternal life. Uh, hallelujah. And it's not the dark, uh, dismal, ugly, hideous, heinous kind of looking creatures but oh my gosh those ones who have gone on before me my family my mom my stepfather my grandma my grandpa my friends these church members who have passed away in this church I expect to see them with their faces shining and a smile on their face and, and glorifying God and there's just got to be a, a lake there to fish out of I just I, it's got to be there for me and God will make one just for me if necessary but the fact is it's a glorious place in our relationship with God there is hope there is joy there is peace uh, there is life everlasting you can have the old darkness if you want but I want the light hallelujah lions why don't you roar 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 in this world let the world know that your God is able. Your God's given victory. Don't let the enemy invade your territory. You let him know who's the boss of your territory. And you let him know what kingdom that you live under. The kingdom of God. And the authority you have in the Lord. Would you stand with me? I wanted to build your faith up tonight. To know that Johnson, he climbed out of that hole. God gave him the victory. He was all excited. I could tell you the rest of the story, but I won't. I'd love to. How Saul's mad because he had deserters. Forgotten the fact that God had given them victory. He was still mad and caused a curse on the land that no man should eat. Made a mandatory fast. His army was tired and weak. And because of the oath, they went on and instead of offering sacrifice, they actually